0: sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, accelerate your business growth has got to cover. And now on with the show. My guest today is Catherine Smith. Catherine is an e-commerce consultant based in Atlanta, Georgia. She helps entrepreneurs launch and grow online stores and websites. She's the founder of Walton Birch and co-founder of Black Lady Business School. Thanks so much for being with me today, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am thrilled to have you here. Um, I, I love uh, this conversation that we are about to have, um, and we haven't even had it yet, but I I just know I'm going to love it. So, um We have so many things to cover and I want to start with, let's talk some about capturing data on a website. How, what are some of the best ways for a small business to go about that? That is a great question. And honestly, I could talk for a solid hour
1: about that. Um, But I do want to qualify kind of where I'm coming from. Um, So I have an MBA in business analytics, uh, and I have done uh, metrics and reporting for very large corporations. So I've dealt with some of the enterprise tools and the really big tools. Um, But I also work with entrepreneurs, you know, solopreneurs and small businesses as well. Um, So my focus is on working or helping entrepreneurs and small businesses with Uh, who feel like they don't really have the resources to kind of keep up with some of that corporate software. So my, where I'm coming from is um, like affordability, but also can a very busy solopreneur, entrepreneur, somebody in a small business reasonably manage this with the resources that they have. So I'll say that first. That's great. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, from a measurement perspective uh, and, you know, Because of my background, I will always, I say measure everything, Um, but I think measurement is really helpful uh, for small businesses in particular um, when you're not really sure um, what direction to go in. So when there's the whole world and the whole internet out there, but you have very little time, energy, or budget, um, I think metrics and data are a really good way to um, kind of think about and, and test or put your resources in the right place. Um, And so from a measurement perspective for websites, I think some of the more important, the important metrics to capture are like how many people or visitors are visiting visiting my website every day or my store. So I do websites and online stores. So when I say website, sometimes I also mean online stores. Um, but yeah, so how many people are visiting my website each day? Um, where are they coming from? How long do they spend on there? Um, you know, what thing? what types of things are they looking at? You know, what are the, what are the paths that they take through the site and what actions do they take? Um, you know, are they new customers or new visitors or are they repeat visitors? You know, um, and I think all of that information is really Good and important. Um, it's important information and feedback for you to say. Okay, do I want to invest some advertising dollars? Do I want to invest in new products? Do I want to invest in new content? So I think all of that information is helpful when it when you start thinking about using data from a website um, to make business decisions. Does that inf- does that answer the question?
0: Yeah, it does. Of course. Uh, um, I mean, you know, that just leads me to <laughs> more questions. <laughs> <laughs> because i'm I'm going to look at this from the small business perspective the small business owner who really knows nothing about data analytics and really mm-hmm. knows um uh really um doesn't necessarily have a have a full understanding of not just doing the data capture but then being able to Uh, read through and understand what it is that they're capturing. So like, you know, a lot of people use Google analytics, Mm -hmm. which can tell you a lot, but honestly, it can also be sort of, um, there's so much information that it can be hard to figure out what things we should really be focusing on and how to interpret that data.
1: Absolutely, and I've heard it described as drinking from the fire hose, um, yeah. and it is—it is, it is an incredibly robust tool. Like sometimes I marvel that it's free, and then I realize, you know, why it's free. But <laughs> like, you know, when I think about it, I'm just like, wow, this is this is crazy. You can get like basically enterprise level or enterprise grade analytics from a Google analytics platform, but you could also spend a hundred percent of your day all day, every day, 365, um, analyzing data. And so I definitely think going into a, you know, a Google analytics situation or, um, even working with similar free platforms. I think that going into it with uh, concrete and smaller goals at the beginning mm-hmm. makes sense. So if you don't know anything about data analytics or websites or Google Analytics, uh, and you're like, uh, if some, and someone says to you, okay, Google Analytics is what you need for your website, then start asking questions. And I think um, questions are the best way to drive data inquiries just generally. So uh, if you were to install Google Analytics on a website, you know you'd ask yourself why do I want to install Google Analytics? And it's probably because you know well, I I want to know what people are doing. So when you set up Google Analytics, the first thing that you make sure you know how to do is see what people are doing. Hey, how many people are coming to my website? Where are they coming from? How much time are they spending on the website? Why does it matter? How much time are they spending on the website? Um, and as you kind of learn like the step one, so when you learn how many people are coming to the website, you're like, well, why does that matter? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you Can't sell anything or book new clients or customers if nobody comes to your website. Okay, cool, check. <laughs> you know, the next level is okay, well, you know, I, I got like a thousand people coming to uh, a thousand people a month coming to the website, but they're not buying anything. Why aren't they buying anything? Um, and so, Google Analytics can help you answer that by saying, you know, like the first question is, uh, are they even adding things to cart or are they filling out the form? You know, are they taking this first step towards mm. purchase? And if the answer is no, you're like, okay, well, that's one problem. Problem, Um, and if the answer is yes, then there's a different problem. So I think it's kind of a it's a winding path of data, Um, and you're not. I don't. I don't think you're going to get all of it at once, especially if you're coming into it just from a blank slate. But I do think that setting it up to capture information is super important, Um, and then asking questions. So if you say, Hey, how many people came to my site last month, and it was ten, the answer was ten thousand, and you made two sales. You know, the math on that doesn't seem to add up. But then the very next question would be. Does the math on that add up? Is that normal for my store? Is that normal for my industry? Is that normal for my type of product? Um, And there's a lot of information available out there online. Um, But once you have the data and you ask the questions, um, then you can get a little bit more insight into maybe what direction to take next.
0: Boy, I love those questions. (laughs) Because those are the sorts of questions I think people don't ask. Mm -hmm. Yeah, So, so they don't even stop. It's it's like oh my god this must be a problem. Well, is it really a problem?
1: Right. It's, it's right. Right? The metric is not the result. So if people are saying I got ten thousand people a month coming to my website, you're like, that's great. How many sales do you have? And if the is two, you know, <laughs> even somebody that doesn't know anything about data is just like, okay, well, um, that might be a
0: problem. <laughs> 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 that might not be the greatest thing in the world. So I'm like, how can we improve that? <laughs> but okay, but that really does become the the next question for me. So we figure out what's happening. Um. What is the best way to use that data to increase engagement and traffic?
1: Oh, man, this is like the the age old question. Um, And I get this question a lot, actually. And so I think a lot of people are really looking for a silver bullet or one answer. And there's no no one answer except to say um, experiment. So uh, I wrote an article like forever ago that says that marketers are mad scientists, but that's essentially what the truth is, or at least from my perspective. I feel like um, unless you absolutely know the people who are your customers, so they're like your friends and family or your very familiar. you' like it's a, a small group of people that you've been with a lot of time. There's a lot of information that you don't have about them. And so a lot of what you're doing from a marketing perspective is basically throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. So if you're like, okay, well, uh, you know, I have a hundred people on my website, and ninety-nine of them shop between twelve a.m. midnight and you know six a.m. Eastern time, which is very strange. Like, what are they doing, and why? <laughs> you know, like you know, and, and, and saying, okay, well, those are the ones that seem to show up more often. And, and, um, they're the ones making purchases, you know, how can I convert more of those customers? And, you know, um, do I do a midnight madness sale where I mark everything down, you know, 10% at midnight, or do I, uh, do two times loyalty points for people who buy things between the hours of 12 and six? I don't know. I'm making this up right now. Um, you know, but like you basically can try things, um, you know, with the target, with your target. Uh, Outcome in mind and see if it works. And so, you know, I know that there are a lot of people who have very deep subject matter expertise in these areas that would say, I absolutely have a silver bullet. My method works 100% of the time, every time. Um, but that's not true. And that's a red flag if someone says that to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those of us that are not operating with like infinite budgets, sometimes we're scrappy. We throw things at the wall. Um, yeah. And so that's the, that's the biggest bit of advice that I could give uh, small businesses is to say, okay, well, you know, if you have a way to try an experiment, especially if you could do it cheaply and simply. So if you say, hey, if I send an email out at 11 o'clock, Will that encourage more people to buy things during that period? Or, you know, if I send out a special coupon to the 10 people that are always lingering on my side at midnight, like, will that encourage them to buy something? So uh, if you can do it cheaply and easily um, and target a specific outcome, like, you know, having someone click a button or having someone add something to cart, then I think it's really easy to measure the outcomes that way.
0: Yeah, I like that too, because um, it sort of takes the mystery out of it. Mm-hmm. Which Which I think is really valuable for small business owners. Um, but speaking of mystery, <laughs> <laughs> i, I th- this question lingers in my head about customer privacy, especially I guess because it's you know, it's really in the past couple of years become a real big thing around going really deep with the tracking and knowing so much about the behaviors of um you know your website visitors, which can feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. um, but so, I'm curious what you think about that. Is it possible to to get meaningful insights without invading customer privacy?
1: This is a very interesting question for me, (laughs) because I am technically a marketer, but I am also a person who values privacy online and doesn't want my data mishandled. (laughs) Um, So... I am willing to exchange me personally. This is just yeah. me personally. Yeah. This is just Catherine. Catherine is willing to exchange some of her personal information for a better online experience. Um, so if I'm shopping a website that has 10,000 products Um, But, you know, half of them are for children. I'm not particularly interested in that because I don't have children and I'm not I'm not interested in having children. Um, I don't none of my siblings have kids. So this is not something that's on my radar. Hmm. Um, So if I am, you know, if I can share that, no, I am not a person with kids or interested in children's things and have a more tailored shopping experience, I'm kind of willing to exchange some information about myself in exchange for, you know, in in return for a better shopping experience. And I think that the average person within, you know, within reason is willing to make that kind of trade-off where things kind of go sideways is where you start using information, you know, that's, that's, kind of sensitive and and when the information is used in a predatory way. So if you say, you know what, mm, based on your age and demographic and your browsing habits right before you came to this site, which I think might be outside of the purview of a website, you know, yeah. um, I see that you have a sick parent and I'm going to, you know, um market, you know, uh sick parent drugs or trials to you. Like that to me feels like an invasion of privacy. It's like, hey, you can't be following me around the internet. You follow me around this site all you want but please don't follow me other places um you know and please don't use like um I call it the kind of the not fair category of information to try and sell me predatory things and I know you know again like I said a lot of this is my kind of personal feeling but when I'm working with clients and customers um I try to take an ethical route or at least a, a route where it's not predatory and it's not um you know, where people are just taking information. Mm. Um, so I'm, I, I, when I personally build sites and when I personally do marketing for people, I give people opportunity to willingly provide information. Um, so if you want to sign up to get birthday messages, you can provide your birthday. Um, if you would like to get personalized emails, you can provide your name, uh, but you don't have to, you can just provide an email to sign up for the email list and that's fine too. But, um, We definitely don't want to, you know, we're not going to sell your information. We communicate that clearly. We do not spam you. We have a policy of being good stewards of your data and information. And we're clear to communicate that uh, when we collect your information. So that's just my personal policy. Um, But when it comes to, so to answer your theoretical question, I do believe that more information is better when it comes to getting customer insights, but I don't think that invading a customer's privacy or invading a visitor's privacy especially by getting information from like outside sources and not necessarily with their consent is a good way to do that I think that you can do that through um, kind of consensual exchanges of information within your site if that
0: makes sense that makes a lot of sense to me and as you were talking about it I was thinking um one of the ways that we build trust with our customers is by respecting them and and letting them know that we respect them that we are letting them set the guidelines and the parameters for you know that we're interested in what how what they want how much information they feel comfortable giving how much information they want to get Absolutely. whatever those things are i think it puts us in a much better position with our customers, even from a loyalty standpoint, when we treat them with that level of respect, they're sort of looking at it like you do with, well, this is me, this is what I would prefer, and I have my reasons, and I like it when I can set those guidelines and the site respects that of me. Absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. it's it's really all about providing
1: a great customer experience and in this yeah. day and age there are very few people who are just like yeah i'll sell you my data it's fine i mean and honestly there's still an audience for those people as well they're you know there are a small subset of people that are like absolutely sell the data as long as i can kind of monetize that absolutely you know but <laughs> um <laughs> at this point i don't think that's the average person and I so whatever you know like whatever the best customer experience looks like for your visitors and your your customer is like we're 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 aiming for that.
0: <laughs> yeah, because otherwise what you're telling them is this is all about me. Mm-hmm. I need this. You should give it to me because I'm going to do something with it, whatever that something is. And and it just telegraphs that the customer is more of a tool, mm-hmm. you know, than than a valued asset, so to speak. I mean yeah. it's an asset in the wrong way. I
1: yeah. I, I think that's what that's what makes data feel so difficult for people sometimes. So when your customers are like a nameless, faceless mass of people with open wallets, <laughs> you don't <laughs> understand them. <laughs> like, like you have a fundamental disconnect between like what you know, what drives them, what motivates them, what kind of questions do they have? What challenges do they have? Like when you're when you can't see them as people, you cannot effectively market to them. Um, and when you see them as people, it doesn't feel like marketing, you're just having a conversation and you're right. providing value and you're providing a great experience. And so then the questions come naturally, you know, the questions come naturally, the the yeah. insights kind of come naturally when you're thinking more about them as people than, you know, users or, um, you know, uh, prospects or leads, if you know, to use some of the marketing terms that people use
0: sometimes. Right, 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 right. Yeah, boy. I mean, that that is absolutely. it it, it, as far as I'm concerned. Um, And now a word from our sponsor. Somebody isn't showing up when they're supposed to? Talk to Bambi. Unsure how to deal with remote workers changing locations? Talk to Bambi. Getting complaints from employees about each other? You know what? You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, you get access to your own dedicated HR manager. These HR managers are all U.S.-based and are dedicated to your business so you have consistent access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices, like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi helps small business owners protect their business and gain HR peace of mind. HR issues are more complex than ever. Let Bambi help you with yours and with those employment nuisances across all 50 states. HR managers can easily cost 80 grand a year, but Bambi starts at only $99 a month. So what are you waiting for? Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Go to Bambi.com right now and type in A-Y-B-G under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. Spelled com, Bambi.com, and type in A-Y-B-G. Are, are there, outside of Google Analytics, are there other... Um, tools that you think are valuable and useful for smaller businesses?
1: I think there are too many tools to name, quite honestly. Ah. <laughs> like, and um, and honestly, when businesses grow, so like as your business starts growing um, and the more you want information, like the more you're kind of like, okay, I would like to invest a significant amount of my budget in this area of the business, if that makes sense. And so there are definitely uh, for the different aspects of data collection. So some data collection is, Hey, I just want to know how many people are coming to the site. I want to know what pages they're clicking on, you know, so forth and so on. And that's pretty simple and straightforward. And there's some platforms for that. And a lot of e-commerce platforms have that built in like Shopify has excellent analytics built into the platform. So you don't even have to install anything else or go anywhere else to get that information. Um, So for, but for things like, um, I'll use uh, email marketing as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you've kind of gone off platform, so Shopify technically has email marketing, I feel like obligated <laughs> to say that. Um, but a lot of people use third-party email marketing platforms to market even to the Shopify customers or just if they're not using Shopify. So um, uh, with email marketing platforms, they also have built-in analytics. So if, you're, if your question is, hey, how are my customers interacting with email? That's when you have to ask yourself, okay, let's let's get out of the Google or the Um, I mean, the Gmail or the Yahoo or the Hotmail or whatever. you know, and use a platform that is capable of capturing this information. So there are suites that do all of those things. So Google Analytics will also capture email information, but, you know, it's it's part of that firehose feed that's coming out. And so I think that you can get a lot more tailored analytics from platforms that do one, one part of that. So you can get email analytics and opens and the behavior associated with that from an email marketing platform. You can get social analytics from um, a social platform Um, and a lot of those are free, I mean you know say what you will about Meta but their analytics are robust (laughs) and they're free. (laughs) um, You know, so for every kind of need or every question that you have from a data perspective, there are usually free tools available that will do one part of that equation. Um, And it's when you want the things to do more than one thing is when things start getting kind of complicated. So when you're saying, okay, well, I want to track them across email and social and the website and the app. So that's going to be a different solution. And it's probably going to be a paid solution. But, you know, the average person starting out does not need all four of those things Um, in a platform, um, you know, unless they have a full-time data person, which very few of my clients, my kind of target uh, demographic do. So, And to summarize, (laughs) lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of options. Um, But when you're thinking about platforms, think about what you absolutely want to be able to monitor um, or to be able to kind of take from the insights. uh, And then just make sure that the platform that you're using does that. Uh, Look for, I I say look for a free version because there's usually free versions of things kind of out there um, before you start spending hundreds or thousands of dollars a month on these measurement tools um, start there and then work your way up. Cause a lot of the, once the feeds are in place, it's actually pretty easy to migrate to other solutions, you know, without, um, losing some of that insight. So yeah. I say start small and then grow, as opposed to like starting yeah. with a, you know, SIM rush, SIM rush or Ahrefs or, you know, something like that, where it's just kind of like for professional <laughs> data people.
0: Right. Right. <laughs> Which unfortunately I think is what some people think, you know, that they need to do. Um let's talk about being able to see uh, what our competitors are doing. Are, are there ways of gathering data on um, our competitors?
1: Yes. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of data out there. So there's a lot of data to be gathered from competitors. Um, And I think this is where kind of stepping into the shoes of the customer uh, will really help. So if you think about like, what is your customer doing? Like, how are they looking for the solution? So are they asking questions on the internet? Are they surfing through YouTube videos? Are they scrolling through social media or TikTok or something like that? Um, And then when you think about that, like put yourself in the shoes of the customer and then search in similar ways. So if you sell, Oh, I'm going to make this up snowshoes. (laughs) This is probably a bad example. I realize this, (laughs) like, as I'm going into this, this feels like a trap, but I'm going to start here. So if you sell snowshoes and you're just like, who are my competitors for snowshoes? Because that's a that's one of the first questions people have. Like, who are my competitors? Yeah. You know, um, and for snowshoes, you're like, wait, does Nike have a snowshoe? Okay, cool. Nike snowshoe. Okay. Does Adidas have a snowshoe? Oh, okay, cool, cool. cool, cool. <laughs> you know, and you find out like maybe they don't have snowshoes, but maybe there is um, you know another company, a, a national company that has snowshoes, or another company in your state that has snowshoes, or something like that. Um, or that people aren't using snowshoes or using something completely different. That's the surprising part for the competitor thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember one of the things that I learned when I was thinking about who my competitors were, like, I don't consider myself, you know, to be kind of like a freelancer, but when I started thinking about my business as an agency more than like a freelancer, um, Fiverr like sites like Fiverr and Upwork and things like that they're still my competitors because there are people that are saying hey I do those same things as those agencies but for like half the price and like, <laughs> that is absolutely a misrepresentation but you know it's still up to me like that that's still what I'm up against when people are yeah. searching for solutions and so right. put yourself in the shoes of the customer um, and then search how they would search. So if you're on like a search engine, like a Google search, what they would search for, or if you're on like a YouTube or TikTok, look, look at the different feeds and hashtags and stuff like that and see what comes up. I think social media is a really good research tool. If you have some time to do that, um, just kind of surf through social media. Cause that's where you find the alternative solutions. Cause you're like, okay, everybody needs snowshoes. And then you find out not everybody needs snowshoes and you're like, Oh no, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I did not what? see this coming. You Yes. <laughs> like, like, this is new. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, uh, that but that information is, uh, you know, it's insightful. And I think um, getting either an assistant or an intern or virtual assistant, even, um, you know, to perform that research for you is actually pretty fairly easy and straightforward. Just give them a a couple of questions. Like, what are some of the big accounts in this industry? What are some of the alternatives to the product that I have? You know, like, what are the big pain points? Like, what do people complain about the most um, in the comments, you know, when they're talking about these types of things? Or where, um, when you're looking at competitors, when you've identified a competitor, like, where are they falling short? Or, you know, like, where am I, like, very different from what they're doing, whether that's in size, or mission, or location, or, the you know shipping methods and things like that so when it comes to competitor research to just to bring this back to the question um, put yourself in the shoes of the customer which I think you should do all the time Mm -hmm. um, and then just search how they were searched search um, online search YouTube and um, video platforms search social media um, you know find out what questions they're asking find out what pain points they have and then you find out What solutions exist in that space? Because not all of them will basically sell the same product or service as you. There are other solutions out there. So think about competitors as all of the products and solutions that people
0: will use to solve that problem, if that makes sense. Ooh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I, I think that is critically important. And,
1: and to, yeah, I'm like, oh, sorry, yeah. just to provide specifics. So, so I know that people are always looking for specific tools. Um, one of the things that I look at all the time um, for in terms of websites, when I find websites is looking at like similar web, similar web is a free website. Um, and then Google, similar web and Google are my two biggest kind of research tools when it comes to competitors. So when you start typing in Google and I would recommend doing this either in a guest window or like an incognito window. So your your search history doesn't taint your search results, um, start typing in search queries related to those things, so the, the, the product that you're looking for. Um, so Google searches, a similar web will kind of compare websites for you and show you like what categories they exist in and maybe surface other competitors that you didn't know about from a website perspective. Um, and then websites like Answer the Public and Answer Socrates, which are very similar websites will show you what kinds of questions people are asking um, about, you know, your product or your service or, you know, just challenges that they have as well. So I think all of those are pretty good free resources. Um, But like I said, I'm a big fan of starting free and and going from there, but you like master those. And then once you've mastered those, then look for bigger versions of those.
0: (laughs) Those are great. I've never heard of those before. So thanks. Yeah, those, no problem <laughs> those are wonderful, oh my gosh, Katherine. I love this conversation. I appreciate the information. It sort of humanizes uh data analytics, so <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, and will you let the listeners know how they can find you and uh, whatever they should know about what you've got going on, please? Sure.
1: I'm uh, all around the internet, interwebs. Um, my website is waltonbirch.com, and I will spell that for accessibility. So that's W-A-L-T-O-N-B, like boy, I-R-C-H.com. Um, so that's my kind of home base. Um, but I'm also on... Uh, Instagram as, um, at KRS underscore consulting, uh, and I'm on LinkedIn just as Catherine R. Smith, but good luck with that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you and a probably about 8 million other. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's just, it's like, it's, it was a
0: template name. Apparently I oh like it though. <laughs> my gosh,
1: no
0: Oy, you know timings, everything. Um, it's so great. Well, as I said, thank you so much. I really appreciate the information and listeners. Thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious and if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction pick up a copy of succeed without selling on amazon or wherever books are sold until we meet again on another episode of accelerate your business growth goodbye and good day the world's best known investor and wall street expert warren buffett once said